Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. I want to direct your attention to Mark chapter 8 and verse number 22. I am still enjoying the touch that I received from the service this morning. And I'm thankful for a pastor that is sensitive to the seasons and to the times. And we know that we are living in a turbulent time. And that tells us that Jesus is coming back very, very soon. And I am thankful, though, that in that process, God is pouring out his spirit all the way up till the day the trumpet will sound. All the way up to that moment, God is going to send revival to his church. And I just want to be a part of what God's doing. Anybody feel that way? I just want to be a part of the end time revival that God is giving the church. Mark 8, 22, if you have that, say man. And Jesus cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. And I'd like to preach this title. It's kind of a long title. Every time, every once in a while, I, I have a long title just to wake you up. I'm preaching the perplexing process of a meaningful miracle. The perplexing process of a meaningful miracle. And I feel very strongly tonight that there are people who need a miracle in their bodies. And there are also people here tonight who need a miracle in their spirit. You see, not every miracle is physical. Sometimes you need a spiritual miracle. You need spiritual vision and spiritual sight. And I'm going to ask us to put our Bibles down, and I'm going to ask us to pray sincerely for just a few moments that the Lord would help us to push past exhaustion and every distraction and that we could receive what God has for us tonight. Shall we? Can we pray for just a moment, church? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'd minister to your people. I pray that you would help us tonight. Talk to us, Lord. God, I pray that there would be a manifestation of the Spirit. I pray that there would be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I pray that there would be revelation in the house. I pray that there would be illumination in the house, O oh God. And, Lord, I pray that there would be physical miracles as well. We give you praise. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for standing. Thank you for worshiping. You may be seated. Of, of all the miracles that Jesus performed, this is the most confusing and perplexing miracle because it involved a very strange process. All the miracles that Jesus performed had meaning behind them. He never did 
anything by accident. And Jesus never healed just to heal, although he loved them and cared for them and wanted them to be made whole. There was always a meaning and a message attached to every miracle that he performed. If nothing else, Jesus was demonstrating with each miracle that he was God manifest in the flesh. If nothing else, he was proving that he had power over sickness and disease. He was proving that he had power over nature when he spoke into the waves and told them to be still, and they were immediately calm. He proved when he raised Lazarus from the dead that he had power over death itself, and he was indeed God. But the perplexing process of this miracle has several meaningful lessons embedded within it. First, as Jesus entered the city of Bethsaida, he was approached by some people who asked them to heal their blind friend. And usually Jesus would have just touched this man and healed him right there on the spot. But instead, he does the first of many perplexing things. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the city. And if you need a miracle tonight, you must be willing to go where Jesus leads you. Sometimes miracles have a process divinely designed by God. And if you get impatient and try to skip the process of the miracle, you will miss the miracle. Many people miss what God has for them because they grow impatient while God is leading them to a new place. And while God is performing a process and perfecting something in their lives. And so they take their hand from the hand of the master and they go their own way frustrated and disappointed. But I'm preaching to some people tonight who need a miracle. And I'm encouraging you to place your hand firmly in the hand of Jesus and go wherever he leads you. Because the process will always lead to the miracle. Jesus healed people in crowded cities all the time, so why not this time? In fact, in Bethsaida, Jesus had recently healed people all day long, the Bible says. And then in that same evening, he fed 5,000 people. So, so what changed? Luke's gospel gives us the answer. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus was teaching his disciples how to preach the gospel. And he told them to go from town to town preaching the gospel and healing the sick. But then he gave them some interesting instructions. He said, if you go into a town and you preach the gospel and they reject your message, I want you to go out into the streets of that city. And I want you to say this, even the very dust of your city, which cleaves to our feet, we do wipe off against you. And even after all the miracles that Jesus had performed in Bethsaida, after taking loaves and fishes and feeding hungry multitudes, after preaching and teaching, after spending a whole day healing countless people, Bethsaida still rejected his disciples when they preached the gospel. I want you to let that sink in for just a moment because miracles do not always mean that people will believe. I'll never forget, we were uh, in uh, Little Rock, I think this was about three years ago, and uh, they were having their conference there at the large church, and 
I, I was talking to a, a man in the city, and we were getting something to eat, and he noticed that we were dressed up, and he said, are y'all uh, at church today? And I said, yes. And he said, uh, is, it, is it the First Pentecostal Church, North Little Rock there? And I said, yes. And, and, uh, and he said, you know, I, I, I went there uh, a few times, and he said, uh, I'll never forget, I uh, called the pastor because my mother was battling cancer at the time. And he said, the pastor came to the hospital. I was surprised, but he showed up. He came to the hospital, and uh, they did something strange. He said, I grew up Baptist, but they came into the hospital room, and he said, you'll never believe what they did. And I said, hold on. I can tell you what they did. They laid their hands on her forehead, didn't they? And he said, yeah. He said, that's right. He said, they laid their hands on her forehead, and he said, they had a bottle of oil, and they put oil on their hands. The Bible says lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And, and so he was relating to me how strange this process to, was to him. And then he got a little teary-eyed, and he said, after they did that, all of the sudden my mother sat up in the bed and said, I feel completely healed. She said, I feel completely healed. I don't feel any pain. He said she was in excruciating pain up until that moment, but they prayed for her, and all of a sudden she just got up and said, the pain is gone. And a few days later, the doctors were, had run all the tests, and they were scratching their heads, and the doctor said, we don't know what happened. It must be God, but she's completely healed. There's no cancer in her body. She was ate up with it, and it's completely gone. Now, you would think that that man would be attending church to this very day. But did you know he told me he had never been back to that church a single time? Yeah. You see, sometimes people want the miracle, but they don't want the message. I'm about to preach to somebody here. Everybody wants miracles. If you've got cancer and and, and someone comes along and says, God can heal you of cancer. You're not going to tell them not to pray for you. You're going to take every prayer you can get. And if God heals you, you're going to dance a little bit. But when you start having to hear the message, that's when things get real. That's when the rubber meets the road because the message and the miracle are two very, very different things. And so Jesus, after doing all of these miracles in this one little town, sent his own disciples in to preach the gospel in the town, completely and utterly rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus heard about it, he said, but I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that one city. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. Woe to you for rejecting my messengers why was it more uh, why was it more dangerous for the city of Bethsaida than for the city of Sodom and Gomorrah I'll tell you why because Bethsaida had heard the gospel preach Sodom had no gospel Sodom never had Jesus walking the streets of their city Sodom never witnessed Jesus feed the multitude of 5,000 Sodom never watched him lay his hands on a blind man and have him completely healed Sodom never got to hear Jesus preach in the city square but Bethsaida got the miracles and the message and they still rejected and God said it's going to be more tolerable for even the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah than for this little town 
that rejected my message. Bethsaida represents unbelief. Bethsaida represents rebellion. Bethsaida represents unrepentance. And Jesus wanted to get that blind man as far away from the spirit of that city as he possibly could. Bethsaida represents people who want the blessings of God, but they don't want the word of God. They want the benefits of God, but they don't want to obey God. They want the miracles, but they don't want the message. They want the favor, but they reject the messenger. Unrepentant hearts will never experience miracles. People who reject spiritual authority will never experience miracles. Ungrateful hearts will never experience another miracle until they learn how to be grateful for what God has already done. So Jesus grabbed this blind man by the hand and took him out of the city and said, we've got to get away from the spirit of unbelief. We've got to get away from the spirit of unrepentance. We're going to get as far away from the spirit of rebellion as we possibly can. And I'm preaching to somebody tonight who needs to get up from where you are and walk away from the spirit of unbelief. You better get out of Bethsaida. Jesus is calling you out of that spirit. Jesus is calling you out of that culture. Jesus is calling you out of a community that says, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus. I reject the message. I reject holiness. I reject righteousness. God is calling you from those people. And by the way, sometimes it is people. It's going to get uncomfortable here, but I'm just going to preach it anyway. The reason that some of you are not experiencing the powerful touch of God in your life is because you are allowing yourself to be influenced by people who have the same spirit as the people of Bethsaida. Sometimes you've just got to remove yourself from the kinds of influences that will draw you towards doubt and unbelief. Sometimes you've just got to make up your mind. I'm not going to have those kinds of conversations. I'm not going to talk about God like that. I'm not going to talk about my church like that. I wish an apostolic would go ahead and preach with me here. I'm not going to talk about my pastor that way. I'm not going to talk about Jesus that way. No, I'm not using the Lord's name in vain. If you want to cuss and use the name of Jesus as a cuss word, you better not do it around me because I can't be around the spirit of Bethsaida. I can't be around people who reject Jesus. I can't be around people who reject the apostles. I can't be around people who reject his messengers. No, no, I can't do it. Because I need a miracle in my life. Anybody come to church needing a miracle tonight? Am I the only one? Am I the only one who needs a miracle tonight? You better get up right now and get yourself away from the spirit of unbelief. You better run from that spirit and follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Leave it behind. All the doubt, all the negativity, all the bitterness. All the anger, mm, run from it and follow Jesus. If you skip to the end of the story, you'll notice that Jesus, after he finally completes the process of the miracle and heals him, Jesus looks at this man and says, I don't want you to ever go back to Bethsaida. 
Don't go back to that city. Don't even go back and tell them what I've done. Just stay away from it. Here's the problem. Sometimes God will do something great in your life, and then you go right back to the same old spirit and the same old people and the same old sin and the same old junk and the same old unbelief, and then you miss out on the future things that God wants to do in your life. Jesus was giving him important instruction. He was saying, if you want to continue to walk in the miraculous, if you want to continue to walk in my favor, if you want to step into the glory, you get away from that city because that spirit will drag you right back down that spirit will destroy you all over again and i'm preaching to somebody tonight who god has blessed you god has healed you in the past god brought you out of some things god delivered you from some from some stuff but now you're going back to the same old junk that god delivered you from in the first place the same spirit is gripping your life and it's causing all kinds of problems you better never go back Never, ever, ever go back. The second perplexing thing that Jesus did, and uh, this one always gets me. I've heard it preached so many ways. I've heard it preached so many times, and and there's a lot of things here uh, that I can't cover tonight. But if you thought that was strange, it's the only time Jesus ever took someone by the hand and led them away from a place before he healed them. But after he did that, the Bible says, now listen. He spit in the man's eye. Everybody okay? He really did. He spit in the man's eye. Looked him right in the face. Spit in his eye. Now some of us, if God did something like that to us, we would be out the door. I think there's a couple lessons to be learned here, but I think the first lesson is that sometimes you've got to humble yourself in the presence of the Lord. See, we don't always like how God does it. We don't always like why God does it. And we don't always like who he does it through. Hello. And so if we're not careful, we'll get an attitude that says, you know, if God starts spitting in my eye, I'm out of here. If the preacher starts preaching in my business, I'm out of here. If he starts preaching about the one thing that I don't want him to preach about, I'm gone. And then you miss the miracle because sometimes God is going to get messy with you. Sometimes God is going to have to insult you a little bit. Sometimes God is going to have to put you through a process that is uncomfortable and messy and frustrating. But you better stay in the presence of Jesus. I'm helping somebody right now because you've gotten yourself offended and you've got a spirit that says God can't do that to me. The church can't do that to me. The preacher can't do that to me. And you're missing the miracle because you won't allow God to put you through the process that is messy. Sometimes miracles are messy. Naaman had to dip in the muddy Jordan River. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you came to church and the preacher told you, I want you to go find the muddiest river in the whole town, and I want you to go out into that river, and I want you to dip yourself down in it seven times. You would look at that preacher and say, you're crazy. But that's exactly what God told Naaman to do because sometimes miracles are messy. Can you imagine if Jesus came into this church tonight 
and you needed a healing, and he spit in the mud, and he rubbed it together in his hands, and he wiped it on your face. Many of us would be out the door in a hurry, but you'd miss the miracle. Can you imagine if God told you to start marching around your problem? I mean literally marching around your problem. You'd look up to heaven and say, God, you're crazy, but sometimes you've just got to go through the process. Can you imagine if you were standing in front of a Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was hot on your tracks and the preacher looked at you and said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand still. But preacher, we need to run. Pharaoh's on his way. No, we're going to stand still. And not only are we going to stand still, we are going to see the salvation of the Lord. Sometimes the process is messy. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. The woman with the issue of blood, the Bible says that she literally had to crawl. She pressed through the crowd. She pushed her way through. In my mind's eye, I imagine that there were moments when she fell down underneath people's feet. She probably had people stepping on her hands and maybe on her back. Maybe someone bumped her in the head as she's pressing through the crowd. She probably had some pain from trying to push her way through a crowd of people who were bigger and stronger than she was. But she just kept pressing her way to Jesus. She didn't care about the dust. She didn't care about the dirt. She didn't care about the mud. She didn't care about the people trying to push her out of the way all she knew is that Jesus is right there and if I if I can just get to where Jesus is if I can but touch the hem of his garment all of this mess and all of this indignity and all of this shame and all of this pain will be gone in just one moment if I can touch him you know why modern Pentecostals don't see the miracles that the old timers used to see? Because we're far too dignified. We're far too professional with church. We're too good at coming and just kind of doing our little thing and putting on our little suit and going through our little Pentecostal happy dance. We get the clap down just right. And when the song reaches the crescendo, and if it happens to be the one song that you like a little bit, you'll kind of do your little thing and thank God. Oh, thank God for the blood. I'm so glad. We're so professional. And you're missing the miracle because you won't get down in the mud. You won't crawl. You won't press. You won't go where God is leading you to go. Am I preaching to anybody in this building who's desperate? Maybe you don't need a miracle. Maybe you don't need a touch from God. But if you do, you better learn the power of humility and desperation where sometimes you'll let God spit in your eye. Yes, you will. If you're hungry enough, if you're desperate enough, if you're hurting badly enough, you'll let God do whatever he's got to do to work the process, to work the process. See, we don't like processes. No, we don't. We want the instant miracle. We want to be like the centurion. We want to be able to just go and say, Jesus, I got an issue back home, and we want Jesus every time to just say, all right, there it is. It shall be done. Boom. 
And then we want to go back home and everything be exactly what we want it to be. And sometimes God works that way. Aren't you glad that God sometimes works that way? But God doesn't always work that way. Sometimes he puts a process into place. And you've got to be willing to get through that process if you want to get to your miracle. Hallelujah. And so the third perplexing thing that Jesus did is that he touched his eye. Spit in his eye, touched his eye. And then he looks at the man and he asks him, he says, can you see? And the man looks at Jesus and says, uh, I can see, but I see men as trees walking. In other words, he was saying, you know, technically uh, there's been a miracle here. I was blind. I couldn't see anything. And now I see, but it's blurry. Everything's just kind of out of focus and uh, so this, this isn't quite right, Jesus. This isn't exactly what I was hoping for or expecting because I still can't see clearly. We also understand that if you read the story, this man had not been blind from birth. There had been a moment in his life, a point in time, we don't know when or where, that he had not been blind. The Bible says his sight was restored to him. And so he knew what it felt like to see clearly. And when Jesus gave him that first touch, he got a partial miracle. The miracle was a work in progress. And so Jesus touched him a second time. And this time he saw everything clearly. Why did Jesus touch the man twice? Certainly, Jesus didn't mess up the first time. Anybody think Jesus just made a mistake the first time and said, all right, I didn't do it right. <laughs> Go back. No, Jesus didn't make a mistake. There was no accident here. It wasn't that his, that his uh, authority was a little off that day. His power was a little off that day. No, had nothing to do with that. And, and, it, and it didn't have anything to do with this man's lack of faith either. Jesus healed countless people, more people than we even know about. He healed them. And I imagine that many of them had certain amounts of doubt and fear and certain uh, levels of faith, and yet Jesus healed all of them with no problem, but for this man, he touched him a second time. And what you need to understand is that it had nothing to do with this man. It had to do with the disciples who were watching Jesus perform the miracle. Jesus was trying to teach his disciples a spiritual lesson. To understand, you have to go back to the beginning of Mark chapter 8. Jesus had just fed 4,000 people. And afterwards, a group of Pharisees cornered Jesus and they demanded to see a sign from heaven. They said, Jesus, if you'll show us a sign, maybe we'll believe. <laughs> Sounds like the generation we live in today. And the Bible says that Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily, I say unto you, there shall be no sign given unto this generation. In other words, Jesus was saying, uh, if you haven't figured it out by now, you aren't seeing things clearly. Because I've been, I've been healing people left and right. I've been feeding people with just a few loaves and fish. 
I've been teaching the word. God has been moving, and you're still missing it. And if you need something else, I'm not going to just be a circus clown for you. No, 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 no. I'm not giving you another sign because all the signs are already there. And by the way, that ties in with what Pastor preached about this morning. I, I can't tell you how many unbelievers I talk to who say, if you'll just work a miracle right now, I'll believe that Jesus is going to do something in my life. And I always tell them God doesn't operate that way. He's already doing things. You've got to get in the flow of it. Open up your eyes. Open up your eyes. And you will see the signs that are already all about you. And so the Pharisees were demanding to see a sign. Show us something, Jesus. Wow us. Impress us. Convince us. Make it clear. And after Jesus rebuked him, him and the disciples immediately jumped on a boat and they began to head over towards Bethsaida. And the disciples forgot to gather the leftover bread from the miracle of the 4,000. And so they were frustrated with one another. Does anybody else enjoy reading when the disciples kind of argue with each other in the Bible? <laughs> I don't know why it always tickles me a little bit, but they did. They argued a lot. <laughs> Jesus had to rebuke them several times. And, and so the disciples are kind of frustrated with themselves. They'd forgotten the bread. They had one piece of bread is all that they grabbed, and, and they were kind of fretting about why they didn't have more, and they knew they were going to be hungry later. And while they were fretting, Jesus was contemplating this whole ordeal that he had just had with the Pharisees. And he looks at his disciples and he said, beware of the leaven or the bread of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Herod represented the political structure of the day, the secular political power, and the Pharisees represented the religious power and authority of that day. And Jesus said, you need to be aware of those two spirits, the bread that they produce. You need to be aware, be careful about that. And, and rather than understanding the spiritual lesson that Jesus was trying to teach them, they looked at one another and they said, He's, is he angry because we forgot to grab all the bread? Anybody have a moment like that with God where you're just not getting it? God's trying to tell you something and you're just not getting it. God was trying to teach them a spiritual lesson to be careful of the spirit of the age, to be careful of the spirit of organized religion, be careful of the spirit of politics. And by the way, politics will destroy churches. If you become obsessed with politics and the spirit of the age, it will destroy you because we are not living off the leaven of politics. We're not living off the leaven of the Pharisees and the compromisers. No, no, we are not. We are not living off that leaven. And so they thought he's angry because we didn't grab. They thought he's talking about real bread and he's talking allegorically. And so Jesus looked at them and said, why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither understand. Have you not eyes? And yet you can't see. Have you not ears? And yet you can't hear. I'm trying to teach you something powerful. And yet 
All you can think about is the physical. All you can think about is little bread. And I'm trying to teach you a much greater lesson. And it was after that that the blind man came. And so Jesus touches the blind man a second time to teach his disciples that you have to be careful because sometimes you're seeing through a glass darkly. Sometimes you are looking with vision that is blurry, spiritual vision that isn't clear. All of this is happening while Jesus is about to reveal himself clearly to the world as the Savior, the Messiah, the suffering Savior that was to come. The disciples were still struggling to understand exactly who Jesus is and was. The disciples were trying to comprehend everything that Jesus was saying. People were beginning to suspect that Jesus was literally claiming to be God. He wasn't just claiming to be a good teacher. He wasn't just claiming to be a good preacher. He was claiming to be God manifest in the flesh. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yes, he did. And he began to reveal himself to them. He was also just about to reveal to them that he wasn't going to Jerusalem to reign as a king. No, he was going to Jerusalem to die on Calvary's hill and to shed his blood for the salvation of the world. The disciples were still longing. The disciples were still hoping that Jesus would be a political leader who would rise up and overthrow Rome and overthrow the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were hoping that Jesus would come in on a white horse and, and that he would take authority in this world. And yet Jesus was trying to give them a second touch of spiritual understanding. He was trying to help them understand that he was the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end he was trying to help them know that he is the lily of the valley the bride and the morning star he was trying to help them understand that he was the same God who stepped in the fiery furnace with Shadrach Meshach and Abednego he was trying to help them understand I'm the same God who closed the mouth of the lions in Daniel's den he was trying to help them understand that he was the same God that parted the Red Sea for Moses and the Hebrews. All of this, the second touch, the blurry vision was to teach them that you have to look clearly with spiritual vision. We're living in a world where people's spiritual vision is very clouded and yet they think they see clearly. They really do. It always amazes me when Hollywood stars start trying to preach religion. You know what I'm talking about? Every once in a while you get a news story where some Hollywood star has a religious opinion. And they give it very, very arrogantly. But their vision is blurry. They need a second touch. We've all come into contact with people who have blurry spiritual vision. And yet they think they see clearly. Jesus was illustrating with this blind man that sometimes you have to receive a touch from God in order to see things clearly. Immediately after the miracle, as the musicians come, after all of this illustration, it was a sermon within a miracle. Jesus was literally preaching a sermon with that miracle. And the sermon was this. I am God manifest in the flesh. 
the sermon is, was that I have a plan that you don't understand. But you're going to have to let me take you by the hand and lead you in places that might make you uncomfortable. You might have to watch some difficult things take place. You might have to experience some pain. And you're not always going to understand. But if you will be faithful and stay with me, your vision will become clear. And it will all be made right in the end. So in Mark chapter 8, verse 27, after the miracle and the lesson and all of this, Jesus asked his disciples a question. Whom do men say that I am? And they answered, some say John the Baptist, and some say Elias, and others one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? See, in the end, it doesn't matter what Hollywood thinks about Jesus. It doesn't matter what your neighbor thinks about Jesus. It doesn't even matter what your family thinks about Jesus. It doesn't matter what the TV preachers think about Jesus. None of the opinions matter. There's always going to be a plethora of opinions about who and what Jesus is. In the end, Jesus is looking at your soul and he's asking you, who do you, who do you say that I am? And Peter stood up and said to Jesus, Thou art the Christ. This was the first time that any of the disciples ever acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the one. Stand with me. All of the miracle, the physical miracle, was leading to a spiritual miracle. Here's what the Lord dealt with me for someone very specifically. And I feel as if I am preaching specifically to a small group of individuals tonight. But you need a miracle in your life. You need a physical miracle. And you've been needing it for a while. You've been going through a process that's perplexing and strange and frustrating. You don't know why Jesus keeps pulling you over here and taking you over there. Sometimes it feels like he's spitting in your eye. And he takes you over there and he touches you once and you feel, you feel a little stirring. But the miracle's not complete. The miracle's not done. And you go back home and you say, Lord, I'm glad you touched me, but things are still blurry. Things are still confusing. I, I don't understand what you're trying to do here. And here's the word that the Lord has for you tonight. God is preaching a message to someone else through the process of your miracle. Halaboreatatasata. God is trying to give spiritual understanding to someone else who's watching you through the process of your miracle. Don't chafe against the process. 
Don't push God away during the process because God is working all things together for your good and for the good of those who are watching you. But here's what I also believe. I believe that for someone tonight is the final stage in the process of your miracle. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. I don't know exactly who I've been preaching to tonight, but if you're that person, I want you to come to this altar right now. Pastor has oil. He's going to lay hands on you. But preacher, I've been prayed for in the past for the same thing. I want you to come back because you're in the process of your miracle. Nobody looking around. If this sermon hasn't been specifically for you, I want you to begin to pray for those that are responding right now. Perhaps this hasn't been your message tonight. I want you to stretch your hands out towards those that are responding. Some of you are right in the middle of the process and you're hurting and you're frustrated and you're about to give up, but your miracle is almost complete. If you'll just hold on, if you'll stay faithful, if you'll trust him through the process. But preacher, I don't understand. It's blurry. It doesn't make sense. That's okay, God. God is working the process out. God is completing your story. Come on, prayer warrior. Help me pray there. Come on, intercessory prayer warrior. I need you to, to move into the depths of prayer. <laughs> it doesn't make sense right now, but you'll understand it better by and by. You can't see it clearly right now, but in the end, you're going to see clearly what God was trying to do. It's all going to make sense. I wouldn't leave without having your pastor lay his hands on you. If you need a touch in your life, I wouldn't leave without having your pastor lay his hands on you. Ah, there's a sweet anointing in the sanctuary. just take a moment 
And I want you to think in your mind, in your heart. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell anybody else. But you and God know the areas of your life that you have not surrendered completely to God. And I want you to identify that thing right now in your own heart. You know what it is. You don't even have to think hard about it. It's right there. And as we sing this again, I want you to symbolically lift it up to God and say, Lord, I'm not holding anything back from you. I surrender it all, everything, everything, everything. Let's sing it again. Come on, lift it up to Jesus. Every secret place. Every hidden thing, Lord, I surrender to you. Beautiful, beautiful, yes. 